Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Gus Burney. Gus was born and raised on the Upper West Side in New York City. She went to the Professional Performing Arts High School. Her first professional job was one of the Clean and Clear girls for their commercials. She guest starred on Chicago Med, played Marissa Tomei's daughter in the Williamstown Theater production of The Rose Tattoo, She opened Kanye West's show for New York's Fashion Week, and she is starring in The Mist, which is based on Stephen King's novel. She is a songwriter. She's performed at the Bitter End, Rockwood Music Hall, and Arlene's Grocery. Yes. (laughs) Welcome, Gus Burney, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am ridiculously excited. People who have been listening to the podcast prior to this episode know that Reed Burney and Connie Shulman, two actors who are my favorite people and talents on the planet, have a daughter. And that daughter is Gus Burney, and she's sitting here right now. And the idea that very old friends of mine have this beautiful actress for a daughter who's now sitting here because not only is she their child, but her work now speaks for itself is kind of an extraordinary thing because I believe you are my youngest guest to date. You are, really? at the time of this conversation, 17? Yes. So I would love to know a little bit about what it was like growing up in a household where both your parents were actors and you and your brother have both become obsessed with the arts just like they are. Yeah, you know, a lot of people get the idea that my parents kind of, you know, when there's two actors in the house, that the children are pushed into this career, pushed into something in the arts. And that was so not the case because... I think my dad would have preferred us going a different route. You know, it's a very, very hard career, and they did not shy away from showing that to us from an early age. You know, my dad was in and out of roles and basically a struggling actor from ages when I was my entire childhood. You know, growing up, he'd have these pockets where he wasn't working. And, you know, we were struggling to kind of find something for us to keep an income and stuff like that. And so it was actually very helpful for Ephraim and I to, to see that, to have someone who, even through the, the downfalls of this career, stuck it out and continued onward. And, you know, it was very important for us to see. So it's it's not like a sugar-coated career for yeah. us. But no, I mean, m- my parents 
both kind of infused art into our lives. You know, we had this house upstate where we have this huge room. It's where it's just a, a huge projection screen where we watch old movies together and we grew up watching classics and you know, and we would always go to my dad's shows, the ones that were appropriate for yes, us to yes. see from an early age. And so, you know, we were little kids going to off-Broadway plays. And how many kids can say that they did that growing up? Watching and I feel like father. also your dad is often in plays where people are covered with blood, having no. sex. Anything could happen. No, yeah, they're rarely <laughs> PG. PG-13 at best. Exactly, yeah. exactly. There was no Disney going no, on. No, no. And, you know, so I, I think that's great for us to see in a, in a twisted way because it makes us deeper people and deeper actors. And um, it under, it really gave us an understanding of what we were walking into. Um, And my dad always told us, like, if you're a lifer, you stick this out. And if you're not a lifer, go do something else. Because this is, you can't really be halfway in with this career. Yeah. yeah. And that was the best advice I think he's ever given us because it's true. You know, you have to have all feet in the door. When you were young, because I know sometimes Dominic and I have our kids help us, like with auditions, they'll be reading scenes with us and yeah. we'll be like, listen, there's some very bad words and some weird things that happen, but we really need you to run lines with us right now. Did you used to do that with your mom or dad when they when you were younger? More so now because, you know, my mom, she took 10 years out of acting and out of this, her career and to raise us and my dad he was always like he has too much pride I think to ask us to help him I'm, not, all, I'm not auditioning no exactly <laughs> I'm just offered roles no I mean yeah so you heard him talking to himself pacing doing lines yeah the actually room. the other day I was walking back to my room and I heard him in the back like speaking to himself I was like why is he doing that and then I realized he was running lines but um yeah or my dad's gone crazy yeah, no, my mom never, but actually more so now, I help her with self-tapes, and um, we're fighting and screaming at each other at the same time, because it's like, you know, you're you're like a one-man show, like someone's trying to run the camera and then read the lines, and then like, this camera's shaky, because we don't have like something to put it on. And So wait, you guys are now taping each other for auditions. Yes. You, <laughs> you have a little production company going on right we there. We do, we really do. That must be incredible fun, though. I mean, it is. It's fun afterwards. Once the self-tape's done and we're not stressed out anymore, then we can laugh about it. But, like, you know, before it's done and, and we're just completely stressed out being like, no, that's not the line. And then, like, you know, I'm shaking over here trying to read the – it's just a whole thing. I mean, you understand why people pay for – there's, like, professional services right. to help you. It's really hard. I don't know if you've done – I'm sure you have. I have. I mean, the thing I like about it is that I can do it as many times as I want to do before sending it in. But on the other hand, I feel like the biggest fights I've had with Dominic is when, we, <laughs> when he's helping me audition for something. Suddenly I'm like, I know everything. I didn't ask for your feedback. I've only asked you to tape this for me. Like I become a no. crazy person. Me too. Completely. I get in the worst moods. I'm just impossible. And I mean, I don't know if that's because it's with my mom and if I was working with someone else and I feel like I can yell at her but I don't know it's just yeah it becomes a whole thing you know it's interesting that you say that about your mom because your mom and I were really close friends we we met in an acting class together she's such a part of the narrative of my story of my early days here yeah. in New York City and she was one of the first friends I had actress friends to have a kid is Ephraim 19 20 he's 20 so this is 20 years ago and I feel like she decided to go, it's sort of the way you described your father's attitude about acting. Mm. Like, if you're doing it, you're doing it, and you're full in. Yeah. And your mom 
kind of disappeared. Yeah. Like, she, like, where's Connie? I didn't know having a baby means, like, you go underground. Yeah. And I remember, like, I called her one night, and your dad put her on the phone. She's like, I was like, Connie, I really need to ask you something. She's like, Ephraim won't let me talk. And he was probably two. Yeah. And she hung up, and I feel like I didn't hear from her for 15 years. So I love how much she was someone who wanted to have kids. And was really, really into it. And just being with you guys and adventuring with you guys. It's weird because, you know, she tells me. And this is a slight exaggeration, by the way. I did see her over the 15 years, but not a lot. Yeah. No, no, no. She probably did. I mean, that that sounds about right. But, um, no, it's weird. You know, I ask her because she did have kids late. I don't think she wanted to have kids or was planning on having them for, you know, ever. And then I guess... She tells me this story about how she was doing this play and someone brought a baby in and she saw that connection and like what an important part of life that is to have to have a child and to bring something into the world and kind of Don't you wonder what play like someone brought a baby to? I know. I was like, what? what? No, I mean, maybe that's a made up story she's telling me. Gus, but, I hate to, you know, I'm not sure what you think about the Easter Buddy, Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, but oh. I don't think there was a baby that came to the play that your mom was. And yeah. she took that baby, and that baby was Ephraim, and that's how <laughs> babies are born. Yeah, that's the story I heard, at least. I'm sure it's true. No, but she's been an incredible mom, and I don't really have another mom to compare it to, but I honestly think that she's probably the world's best mother. You know, she is my best friend, and she is so intensely kind of intertwined with our lives, and she's the first person I want to tell something to, and I just feel like... It's so weird to me that she was planning on not being a mom because everything she is feels like a mom to me. First of all, you're incredibly musical, as is your brother. Like, if you go on YouTube, there's incredible videos of songs that you've wrote, that you wrote yourself, and you're playing. So your voice is gorgeous, and you... I feel like you play guitar. I don't know if you play ukulele, too. I feel like your brother plays eight yeah, million he, instruments. Oh, my God, he does. Like, this is a very, very... Um, the, the genetics, the creative genetics seem to have found both of you. Tell me about your childhood with your brother and where this started. So he was in middle school, and he started a band with some of his friends. And um, because he played the drums, and I think that was... He was the first... I played piano when I was younger, but, you know, I... It was strictly because I think my parents wanted us to have something like they really wanted us to play an instrument. And it wasn't because I had asked to. They were just like, that's really good for your growing and developing. I think parents hear that and then they're like, okay. And they also, I think every child does ballet when they're a little kid. There's Um, some sign up sheet before you leave the hospital. No, it's like like, ballet or piano. Here's their social security number. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You can take the baby now. I'll do ballet and piano. No, but. No, so he joined a band, and he played the drums, and I think I thought he was really cool because he was in this band, and and they were really good. Like, I mean, not at the beginning, but they they were together probably five years, and they developed into these very strong musicians, and they started writing music. And I think I was always, I was kind of jealous of that, you know? And who doesn't want to be in a band? So... Totally. I think also I watched this movie, The Rocker, with Rain Rain Wilson. I think he's the guy who plays Dwight on The Office, and Emma Stone was in that movie, and she played the guitar. And I thought she was the coolest thing when I was in fifth grade. I mean, I was like, she is the bomb, and she had black nail polish on, and I was like, you were the coolest thing ever. 
So she was your first celebrity crush. Seriously, yeah, probably. And so that was kind of like I asked my parents, I was like, I'd really like to take the guitar and paint my nails black to be Emma Stone. For a couple years, I was like covering Taylor Swift and doing like the 10-year-old phase. But then I started writing music of my own. And I was actually had joined a band with some of my friends and had brought that music in and, and it really helped me develop my songs. And then after a while, you play with your friends and that, there's a reason they say don't become an, like don't join a group with your friends or don't collaborate with your friends because it's too hard. Don't too borrow feelings. money or no, start a band. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah. So then I started, I went on my own. I took my own route and um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I started recording music and that's kind of where I've gotten to today where it's just... And all because of Emma Stone, really. Thank you, Emma. Yeah, seriously. You'll thank her at the Grammys for sure. I will. I will. When did you start acting in earnest? Did you begin doing school plays and then think, I want to do this in the real world? What was the, um, the segue to being a professional young actress? Well, when I was younger, I think it was something my parents thought I was doing for fun. You know, I did all the school plays. I The first ever kind of little role that I had was when I was three. And I hate when people say, when I was three, this is when I learned that I wanted. But no, when I was three, I, I was the elephant in my school circus. And I actually was the star elephant. And I didn't even you weren't just any. You weren't I just any elephant. I was the star elephant. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> you were off, offer only at a very young age. <laughs> Seriously. And, um... <laughs> no, and like I think that I mean that was so meaningful for me, for me as a you child. You were so little. You I were a so little li- elephant. I was very little, and no, I mean that was a huge thing for me actually as a kid because I was the quiet kid that like you know didn't raise their hand and I could have gone missing and this like the teacher wouldn't have noticed. Um, and that was like the first time I had been noticed and chosen for something. And I mean, yes, I was three years old, but like, do you have a clear memory of being I'm- three and doing that? I don't remember completely doing the show, but I for sure remember the moment because we were in the auditorium and I remember the teacher being like, she was assigning everyone the, the, the roles and there's a whole clump of elephants and I remember her pointing to me and she was like, you, you're going to be the leader. And like, I just was like, I don't know if I can handle this responsibility. Seriously. Like, oh my gosh. No, but I mean, I Mrs. did. Mrs. Karmensky, I just, can I talk to you after class just for a minute? I really appreciate your confidence in me, no. but that's a lot. It's too much to handle, but I, I honestly, I think I did well. I think I served my purpose. But then, you know, as I grew up, I always did the school plays, and I, you know, I would do, and I went to a performing arts school, so partially because, like, I went to a regular elementary school, and then I was not liking it. I mean, it was a great school, but his girls are mean and whatever. And then I moved schools because my parents were like, this is great for you. Why don't, and I auditioned and I got in and it was kind of the first, that was also a time where it was like, oh, you're actually, you're good at this. And this could be something that you would want to do and more than just fun. And so at that school, they would do, have us do like, you know, much ado about nothing I was in, servant of two masters, like these really classic, interesting plays. So it wasn't like we were over there doing, you know, bye bye birdie. Not that you have anything against Bye Bye Birdie because that is a great American musical. It is. No, nothing against it. No, and then so I grew up and I was doing that the kind of classic stuff. And, and like in high school I did Medea there. And then like I think there came a point where my parents, I guess, sat us down. And my dad didn't want us to have an agent before we were like adults because he didn't like child, like child actors. He was like, I don't want you pushed into that kind of field. And 
And then my my mom was just like, well, look, like, let's see where it goes. They want to do this. It's not us pushing them. And so both you and your brother went to them and sort of it became clear, like, you want to do it outside of your school. Yeah. And I think it was probably Ephraim who went to them first because he was older and, like, he was developing a little faster than I was, <laughs> even though they say girls much sure faster. Right. Than but in this case. No, I mean, in this case. So I think he probably went to them, and I was kind of, like, tagging along, being like, yeah, yeah, that would, that sounds really fun. And, and then they had us meet with my dad's manager at the time, and then I guess it kind of transferred into this agency that we're with now. That worked with kids. Yes, that worked with kids. And, yeah, so we've been with them ever since. But since then, like, you know, they started sending us out on stuff, and there's that phase where you, I have braces, and, like, you can't really go out for anything then. And then you're going through that awkward phase where you look horrible. And so there's all of that happening. And so it took me, even though I got, I kind of signed with an agency when I was probably 9 or 10, I didn't really start going, really going out and getting stuff until I was 14. When I was kind of transitioning out of that, like, you are a creepy little person, which is what I looked like a hideous little, I mean, you know, but. um. <laughs> so if the breakdown said hideous little person, you would have been <laughs> perfect, been but not many of those were coming through no, on your agent's they desk. they weren't. I don't know why, though. Because I really find it hard to imagine you as a hideous little person. Oh, my gosh. I wish I'd brought photos. I mean, it was like the bangs, the, the braces, uh, the T-shirt, the skull shirts. I don't know what was happening. I so don't know. Think back to that person because that same person then like walked the runway in a Kanye West fashion show. Oh my gosh. Right? Well, if you had told me when I was 11 years old that I would have walked in a Kanye West fashion or that I would have been modeling, I would have laughed at you or I would have ran away because I would have thought you were mentally ill. And you would have been right. I I would have. (laughs) But no, I mean, so it's it's insane where life takes you and and how you develop. And and because at no point in my life did I think I'd be modeling. And, you know, it's just weird how things happen. And it's like stuff's thrown at you. When you think of yourself... Are you the girl with the bangs and the braces, and do you see yourself that way in the world? Or have you now graduated into kind of coming together with this outside image of yourself matching your inside image? Do you have a sense of that? You know, it's weird. I tell my mom this sometimes. Like, I sometimes I firmly believe that who you are when you are, you know, going through your most awkward phase is sometimes how you'll always see yourself because that was your most vulnerable. And that's kind of who you are at your truest form in a weird way. I mean, you're not like I'm not that uh, even though I'm I'm making it sound like I was a monster when I really wasn't. <laughs> really scary. I, <laughs> so they put was, like bags over you. Like, We're going out. Man. Every- I was like a little elephant. No, you were a I little mean, elephant man I at was. three. <laughs> no. No, I mean, it's just, I think, you know, I know a lot of people who went through, when they were going through puberty, having, like, horrible acne. And they're fine now. They're actually more than fine. They, they're beautiful people and have turned into these, you know, very sophisticated adults. But I think there's still that kind of, I don't know, you still see yourself yeah, as that. The and emotional scarring is yeah. still there, even if the facial scarring has healed. Yeah, and I think if I look at myself now, I think I'm a mix. I'm still that... I'm still that little girl who, this sounds so lame, I'm still that girl who's like, you know. Are you listening, Emma Watson? Because this is for you. (laughs) It is. No, I mean, 
I think I'm 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 all forms of it. I mean, I still feel like I'm 12 years old, and then sometimes I feel like I'm 65 years old. So when you started auditioning, what was the first thing that you got? Well, okay, the first thing I got, I, the timeline here is a little icky because I don't remember which of these things came first. Okay. But I think I got this clean and clear commercial. I think that was the first thing I actually did get. And it was such a weird story how I got that because – so I went in originally – thinking that clean and clear was a shampoo and like I because my brother uses the shampoo called free and clear totally totally fair mistake you see clear and I hadn't really read the labels of you like of either thing and like I have learned to do this now when I get an audition I learn I read all of this stuff but like that was before when I was like maybe 14 and I was like okay what's this let me just like glance at this audition you know so I go in the room and they're kind of just asking me questions like this. Like, it's just kind of an interview improv. and they're talking. Yeah, improv. And so they're asking me questions about school, nothing about the product. And so I leave, and they, I think they liked me. And so she comes out of the room, and she's like, hey, Gus, so I'm going to give you this product, and I, we're going to have you come back in, and I want you to use this product the week that before we see you again. So that you can talk from experience about using the product. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, yes. Certainly. And free product. I, I love that shirt. Swag. So I kind. I think they put like it was in a little bag. I swear. I think it was in like a little goodie bag or something. Right. And so I take the goodie bag and I go home, and like I put it on my dresser or somewhere in my room, and I don't even look at it, touch it, don't even touch it for the week that goes by. You know, I, I don't do anything. I go back into the room. And so I remember I have this callback. So I go back to the callback. And so they're asking, you know, it's again improv where they're just asking me questions. They're like, hey, guys, how was your week? Good. <laughs> yeah. How was yours? So I they start asking me, so like, how did how did this week go? How did it? So I remember, like, in the back of my head, I'm Fresh like. Fresh and clear. Free and clear. clear. Free and clear. Free and clear. Yeah. You know, stable on my head. I'm like, that was on my on my bathtub totally. where my brother, you know, that's his shampoo. Oh, I know this product. And yeah, so I'm like, oh my gosh, can I just tell you my hair has felt amazing. I think like, it's so silky. Look at it. <laughs> so silky. Just it smells amazing. I just I want to feel it and smell it all night long. That sounds Okay. And then so then they were like there's this pause and I think they're all just kind of staring and they're like you you do realize this is a face wash. And I was like, there was literally, I just, what do you say to that? <laughs> and pause. And I'm like, you know what? No, I didn't realize that. I was like, I'm sorry. I really, no. No, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. My what hair can you say? smells amazing. Like, oh, I was so putting this, this on my, my question. hair. Did you stick with your story? Like, oh my God, I was using your face product as hair product? Or did you go like, guys... Oh, I was full disclosure. It was that one. You you told the truth. They caught me. They caught me in a lie. And I guess it would be worse if you just seemed like a moron or someone who couldn't like. Oh yeah. So it was better to like just say. Well, and if I had just taken the thing out of the bag. Yeah. Why didn't you? There was. That's a really good question. (laughs) So there's this very awkward moment. Yes. And did you die inside, or did you not really care? Well, here's the thing. The life of Gus Bernie has these moments come along pretty often. They're like, so I, at this point, 14 years in, I've learned to deal with them. So this is just a daily occurrence. Yeah. I mean, maybe once every couple days, but like, you know, I, I've learned to deal with these moments. I have, I, so I just was very honest 
I said what I thought. I was like, look, I thought this was a shampoo because my brother uses something that sounds like this. So you might want to think about changing the name of your product. And I've done like, you a service. I have helped you today. See, and they took notes, too. They sure. were like, okay. She should be our marketing research no. director. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. And then, you know, I leave the room and feeling like an idiot. Partially, like, wanting to cry. Partially wanting to laugh because, like, I... If I was watching myself in this situation, I'd be like, this girl is the biggest idiot and laughing. But, you know, so I leave and I go home and it's like, seriously, maybe that night or the next day, they're like, you got this and we want you to come in. Which makes no sense. I mean, anyone listening to this will be like, how is that possible? Any actor going up, they'll be like, this doesn't make any sense. Don't you think it proves that thing that if you are right for something... There's almost nothing you can do to not get the job if they really, really see you as that person. But there's just no way to know how to predict what that outcome is going to be. No. Did you do other commercials? I did not. I was really not. I mean, I don't know if my look is just not the kind of typical all-American girl that they would use in commercials, but I never really got commercials. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I went out on a lot when I was younger, but I, I, yeah, I didn't really get commercials. And did not getting jobs, a lot of reasons why people don't want to put their kid out there is because it's hard enough being a kid. Why are we putting them in a situation where it is 99% rejection, which is really what most of one's acting life is. Yeah. So how did you handle the not getting things much of the time. Well, it's really weird because I don't know if I can't, maybe because my dad faced so much rejection as me, you know, when I was growing up and I saw that, but I was in this headset and I still kind of am in like in this headset where it's like, I kind of assume I'm not getting the thing. Like it wasn't like I ever went in the room being like, I got yeah. this. This is or like, mine. And like most little kids, because I would go on these things and I'd see the other kids and most kids are actually very confident and feeling like, I don't know if they have that understanding of like what this means and like that it is kind of it is an audition and there's a there's a chance you won't get it. And to me in my head, like all I looked at was like that chance that I'm not getting and I was kinda like, Yeah, this isn't no, I didn't get that, nah. And like I, it, the reality that I actually could get something was was much more surreal than the chance that I wouldn't get it. So when you would watch your dad going through these droughts, yeah. Um, which obviously uh, what a great story. Yeah. Like the drought is now a Tony Award on a shelf exactly. in your house, right? And, and just he's the most, you know, beloved actor on Broadway. Was that scary? I think if I was, if he was going through it now, it would be. Because um, of your being a more conscious yeah. Yeah. human at, at this yeah. age? I don't think I understood it when I was growing up. I think I... You know, most kids have a parent that goes to work from, like, 9 to 5, and they have, like, a mom who takes care of it. I mean, that's so stereotypical. But, you know, they have one parent who kind of has a steady thing, and neither of my parents really did. So that was just my reality. You know, I didn't really understand that it's like, my dad doesn't have a job right now. My mom doesn't have a job right now. What's really... What Boy, they're around a lot. Yeah, what does that <laughs> Aren't we mean? we lucky? Yeah. Yeah. We're out of our house. We're on the street. <laughs> no, no, but um, I don't think it was ever at that point. But you know, not that I remember, unless yeah. they wipe my memory. Yeah. But um, we swiped. We swiped the memory <laughs> yeah, card. Roofied. No, I just yeah. <laughs> Did you just say roofies? <laughs> Emma Watson is not doing roofies. 
And I certainly hope you are not Gus Bernie. I'm no. sure of it. No, but <laughs> I'm using it as a slang term. Yes, yes. No, I just, yeah. So I think if he was going through it now, I'd have a much more, I would, yeah. Especially since I'm acting now and I'm going, I kind of feel like sometimes I'm going through what he went through. You know, it's like after doing the, the show, which we'll get to, but like after doing that, it's really hard to come back into your life and being just like a person again. You know, you, it's so easy in this career when you have a job to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm so cool. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm the best. Right. And, you know, they need no. you on set, Miss Bernie. <laughs> right. Like, no, do you make your mom and dad do that in the morning at your house? Like, do you want, uh, do you want it? What do you want for breakfast? Right. I, mean, I wish they someone did does that. that all the time. No, right. no one does that. No one, yeah, no. Damn it. I, seriously, damn it. But, um, no, so it's so easy to get wrapped up in this. And then when you have, so I kind of understand why. You know, he would go through these droughts and how that can be really disheartening and depressing and and make you feel horrible. But then, you know, you get a job and then you're like, I'm king of the world. So you saw that like his EKG would go up and down. Exactly. So you're 17. Yeah. It is a Friday. You are here. You are not in a school today. No. So can we talk about that? Yes. I just realized (laughs) you're not... No, what are you I, doing yeah, here? Yeah, you know, I ran away. No, I um. So I okay. So I went to the professional performing arts high school. I went f- there from ages from sixth grade to uh tenth grade, and then I switched schools to go to PCS, which this isn't on my bio, but like I um switched, which is kind of the private school version of that school. And so then I stayed there for half a, for a semester, and I met probably some of my best friends there but then I I left because I I got in this off off Broadway show and like the thing was it sounds silly to leave high school for an off off Broadway show but that was at that point in my life I was so at that point in my life a year ago Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know I was I was so I wanted to be in this all the way and I was like you know the rehearsals there was a lot of rehearsal and I would have to miss a lot of school anyway. And I told my mom, I was like, look, I'm falling behind in my academics anyway here. Why don't I just do this online? And it was something we had toyed with forever because I was so not the typical school student. You know, I was always You're a life to, student. Yeah, there you go. Experiential. Exactly. And, you know, I wanted, I don't know, I wanted to be doing my own thing. And I was like, I know what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. Let me just, like, finish out high school online. I'll just, like, kind of half-ass that. <laughs> and, you know, if I had any other parents in the world, they would have been like, hell no, you're staying in school. But, you know, my parents were like, okay, yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I did this play, and I was kind of... And while I was doing that, I was doing it online, and I was actually doing very well, and I was pretty disciplined with that. But weirdly, after I got out of the play was when my discipline started to fall a little shorter. And so I... But that makes sense. You know, they say when we're really busy, yeah. we get everything done. I think that's and true. like, things in motion stay in motion things at rest stay at rest it's kind of um, a scientific theory that it sounds like you fell into a little bit I think that's really true and I think you know I had a schedule and a very I had set up a structure for myself and once the play was kind of taken out of that I had all this more free time that I could kind of just do what I wanted with and so I was just like okay well I'll do that I'll do the work later and I 
fell behind in that. And so then there came a point where my mom was like, well, why don't you just take your GED, you'll test out of high school, you'll get your diploma. Realizing that was like a weight off my shoulders. So that's kind of where I'm at with the school. Lucky for me, because I'm really glad you're here on a Friday. I'm really glad you're here. So you got to do that play. And then I know that you went off to Williamstown and your mom was in the play with you actually, playing Marissa Tomei's daughter in The Rose Tattoo, which is an extraordinary play. Yes. Was that a great experience for you? No, it was fantastic. I mean, Right after this play that I was talking about, Connected, ended, it was like maybe a month and a half before we started rehearsals for The Rose Tattoo, and um, I was so excited. I had done a couple readings for it. and when So you didn't have to audition. They offered it to you, or the readings acted as your audition, maybe? I think the readings were my audition, because Trip Coleman, who directed it, who's phenomenal, um, he'd worked with my dad, and they had kind of thrown together a little reading, like back in February, and he was just like, can Gus read this role for me? just because we need someone to read it or some somehow he asked and so was I Marissa in that reading was she already attached to the project yes she was yes yeah she was in the fr- there were two readings before we started re- like before it actually became a real show and we started rehearsals um so I read I did both readings and I remember you know constantly asking my dad well d- you know did he what did he think is he actually and you know finally he had told me that you know I think he wants he would actually have you play this and he's interested in having you play it and they're doing it this summer so what was so great about that was that gave me kind of something to look forward to the whole year like because I found this out maybe in February and it was just something that I was flipping out to do the entire year and so we finally got to that time came and we started rehearsals and it was probably the most professional thing I had done up until that point the first read through of the play there was all these people in the room all of these like I couldn't even tell you who what, right but what the artistic they were. directors and all the designers and producers yeah, all and of fi- them. yeah and you know it just felt so professional yeah. it felt so professional you know they had the costumes on the wall and it was just the coolest thing and you know Marissa Tomei sitting next to me and I'm like have no idea what to say to her I don't even know how to act and like then there's you know in this play I'm gonna have to like kiss this like man in his 20s was that the first time you had been in that situation no I mean I had are you kidding me? I got around. No, <laughs> no. I in place in school. I had to, but like okay. you know, this was like a real man, like yeah. a real guy. It wasn't like you know <laughs> Billy from Billy, school. He had no acne. Oh, no, Hilarious. he was past it. So it was just you know, it was there was that, and then you know, it was a huge part for me, and it was going to be in front of it, like it was going to be on a stage. It was going to be in like the black box of right. of high school. So. You know, that was huge, and I was flipping out about that. But the whole process was fantastic. I mean, I was the youngest person, and I was the youngest person in the other play that I did. And what I was realizing was that it's it's hard to be the youngest person. You know, it's you it does kind of – you got to float alone and swim alone because, you know, everyone would go out for drinks after. And especially once we – when we were rehearsing in New York, that was fine because my mom was there and then – I could just hang out with my, like, you know, I could have my other life. go back to life. your real life, yeah. yeah. And then, like, we had to go upstate to Williamstown, or not upstate, but somewhere. Yeah, to, to the Berkshires, yeah. Williamstown, Massachusetts, yeah. yeah. And so that was when it became more isolating, and I felt more, like... Were there any other young people in any of the plays? No, I mean, you know, Williamstown is full of uh, people who are working at the theater. And right. And interns and people who are... So they have, we had a few of those in the show that were in their 20s. But, you know, everybody, 20s and, like, you know, 
teenager it's year. It's very different. And Do you so, feel like people would be living their life and then they'd notice you and be like, oh, sorry, Gus, I didn't mean to be talking about that or sorry about the language or no, sorry about I the content. That. Oh, I'm it's sure. the worst. But no. I'm sure it happens on occasion. It did happen. And, you know, it didn't really help that my – it was weird because I and was And your so, mom was in the play. Exactly. So that was the thing. Like – my mom was there, which in a weird way I was so thankful for because she was my friend and the person I hung out with. But it was also like that took an an element of me being looked at as like an adult. Way. It took away that possibility. Yeah, yeah, it took that away. And um, but you know what? I did bond with the people and like they loved my mom and like I think they kind of saw my mom and me as a unit or my mom and I. My dad would be like, mm-hmm. "That's how you say." It. But um. As a unit, so, like, because they loved her, they kind of got to know me, and then they, you know, that became a separate thing. It would have been different if I had been by myself, but it ended up being fine. Did you have any observations or something you could share about working with an Oscar-winning actress like Marissa Tomei, who's been doing this for a long time, and she started young Yeah. also. Were there things that you can share that you learned from her or... I mean, she said to you... Probably, you know, her commitment to things. She was probably the most committed actor I'd ever worked with. And that sounds silly because I haven't worked with that many people. But she took it so seriously, worked so hard. I mean, you know, she would go back and, and have these notes and, and, and all of these ideas that she had for this character. I mean, she really immersed herself in everything that this this part had to offer you know, she was very warm and lovely. I mean, she bought me this dress for, like, I think she gave it to me, like, the second rehearsal to rehearse in. And it was so sweet. Like, she didn't even know me, and she bought me that. Um, And just her commitment, I think, was just so, I don't know. I was like... That stays with you. Yeah, it it does stay with me. And it was great for me to watch someone of her caliber work and how she how she handled this part. How does someone who hasn't yet maybe kissed someone in real life, when, when your first kiss is professional, and I'm not presuming that you've never, oh, no. at the time that you did these jobs, maybe you had had a first kiss or not in your yeah. real life. But that seems to me like an incredibly strange thing. I mean, many of us act things. I mean, you can play a murderer and have never murdered someone, right? And you <laughs> yes. can be in all sorts of situations that you're hired to perform in that aren't your real life experience. But I do think it would be kind of a wild thing to sort of have such a private thing happen publicly oh, completely. that you haven't explored in your own real life yet. And how yeah. does what do you have any thoughts about that or well, you know, it's weird because sometimes I'm like, I'm so immature because I think that, like, I'm flipping out about this. I'm flipping right. out about, like, I had, had kissed people in plays before, but when it came to this play, it was like, you know, like I said, it was a professional. He was a, a real guy. He had a girlfriend in real life. He was, like, you know, in his 20s, and he was lovely and very sweet, and I liked him a lot. But it was just, like, it was so weird, mind-boggling to me that I would be, especially if my mom was in the room, I would be 16 years old at the time. And by the way, if he, if this were not in a professional situation, <laughs> it would be illegal. <laughs> I, know. I know. Right? I don't think anyone was it's bringing so that weird. up. It's no, it was so weird. And, you know, it was not like a little peck. You know, it was like a kiss, several kisses in this play. You were making out. Yeah, there was some making out. Who and was like, the actor who, who played your... <laughs> I mean, Will Pollen, okay. um, he, who's in sweat right now, and he's phenomenal. And I just saw that play and he was extraordinary oh yeah so good he was kissing nobody no one 
Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, you know what's weird is I saw Punk Rock, which is a show that he. I don't know if you saw that. It's, um, incredible. Um, and there was another boy in the play that was actually had done one of the readings that was in Punk Rock, and he. I'm telling this story all wrong, but he was in punk rock and then he was off. He was doing the reading for the part Will was playing in the first read through. And I remember being like, oh, my gosh, if I do this play, I'm going to have to, like, make out with this guy. He is so cute. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm just going to flip out. And then, you Luckily, know, Will, Will the ogre came in. No, yeah, you're really slumming <laughs> no, it with Poland. But no, I see what you're he, saying. No, he was totally cute, too. But like, you know, I was just I was you were actually relieved. able to keep your head on your shoulders well, yeah. when he walked in. And he was such a good actor and he was very professional. And like so it became less about like I wasn't totally as nervous about, you know, doing that with him because it really did feel like. How did Trip handle this part of the material? Well, Trip. OK, so I told my mom the day before we were going to do that scene, I remember being like, I'm just going to be, how do professional people do this? Do like, do we just kiss with the first blocking or do you hold? Because in school, we'd always like hold off kissing sure. until the end. Totally. But I was Final like, dress. Final dress until like <laughs> you're the very last minute. But like this time I was like, well, I don't want, it would be so embarrassing if I like talk about it. And I'm like, do I kiss him here or should we hold off? Should I hold off kissing him? Should I keep talking about how we have to kiss? Should I keep bringing it up? Um, so she was like, okay, well, I don't know how to help you. But um, I remember, so then the day we blocked it, I was, you know, very, I was like, I'm going to be so chill. I'm just a really relaxed person here. I saw punk rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. And so then we do the scene and I, we're blocking through and we get to that point and it just happens. I just kiss him or he kisses me. Someone takes initiative. It's organic. Yeah. And it's, I'm so relieved because I'm like, fine. Like once that's done, I know where we stand. I know we're, ki- but what would have been horrifying is like, say I went in to kiss him and he's like, Hey, we don't do that until final dress. Final dress. You went to PPAS. You should What's know that. What's wrong with you? You should know it. I just, yeah, it was, but it, it was all fine. So it turned out to not be as big a deal. Yeah, and I think it really helps when you know the person and it's not like there's anything going on there. Like sometimes you like the person you're doing that with. And Listen, I married the person I was doing that with, and yeah. now I, you know, mm-hmm. now I regret it. Oh, seriously. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the mist. Yes. Was Stephen King around or involved at all in the process of creating this series? I know he saw everyone's audition tapes, and I know he helped a little with the casting, I think. But not he was never on the set. I never met him, and he didn't have anything to do with the writing of it. But he's tweeted stuff about it since, and I know he's seen the pilot, and he's I think he's given it his seal of approval. Um and so he has kind of done little like bits of throwing, like throwing in his cons- like you know his ideas or consent, I guess, with the project. It looks amazing, and I really want to talk about that, but not as much as I want to talk about Kanye West. With modeling castings, there is like a first casting, and then they call you back to do like I I don't know if it's like to try on the cl- I th- yeah I think it's to try on the clothes and like see how you look. It's kind of like you're on hold. Um, and then they can drop you from there. Um, so I didn't originally go on the first casting for the Kanye thing. I kind of stumbled into the because I think my agents were wanted me to be seen for this, but I hadn't been seen for the first one. So they were like, just go in for the fitting. They snuck you in. Yeah, which I think 
has to do with why I got this because I honestly think if I had gone for the first casting, they wouldn't have. You would have been my like, way. "It's a shampoo, right?" I would have been mad again. Mm. Yeah, I would have brought a, a bottle of clean and clear. Yeah. Anyway, um, Windex. You would have brought in Windex. <laughs> no. So I go in for the for the the fitting, um, and I think they like me. Oh my gosh! Let me just tell you this part of it too, and this might be TMI, but. When you go to these castings and they give you the clothing, you there is no shame. There is no shame with your body. You are you are You're naked. You're changing in front of You're changing in front of everyone. So the designers there or the the Oh the, yeah. Right. It's the okay. weirdest thing. Okay. In any other world, you're like it's the same with like kissing a 26-year-old. It's like in any other world this would be completely not okay. Right. But yet you're doing it. Okay. Um so anyway, you so I change and I get into the costume and I you know they're kind of looking at me and I think they like me and they I, I don't even think they have me walk really I think they just kind of thank have me God stand. I seriously <laughs> thank the Lord so I stand there and they take pictures and then they're like okay well the show's um the show's tomorrow we'll see you then and I'm just like huh what oh I have seats for the Kanye West fashion show. <laughs> no, so then I, I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, what just happened? And like they say that sometimes and they drop you. So I didn't really consider that. I didn't take that as me being um, hired I yeah. for sure. So then that night, my mom is actually, this is like the first time in her life that she's not home and I'm home and I get a call. But they call me, where my agency calls me and they're like, well, they want you to do the show, but they want you to bleach your eyebrows and your hair out. Is that okay? How do you feel about that? Unclear. I'm like, hmm, well, let me just think about that for a second. Thank you. Can I call you back? Um, and so, and I had never done anything to my hair. I'd never, and I had talked about actually going blonde, but my parents were always like, please don't do that. We don't want you to mess up with your hair. So I call my mom, and this is probably 1030 at night, and I call my mom wherever she is, and I'm like, Mom, they want me to do this show, but I have to bleach my hair out and my eyebrows. Okay, I'm going to do it. Bye-bye. <laughs> this is what I was thinking. Sure. And, you know, she is like, wait a second. You're not doing that. You're not messing up your hair. You're not doing – um, Spoken by Connie Shulman, who's had who bleach blonde hair since I've green known her. hair because she's messed up her hair. <laughs> right. um, Which may be why she said no, let's I mean, press words pause the for wise. a second. Yeah. No, but so she says that, and then I have a very long conversation with her, getting her on board, and then you know there's the sequel, getting my father on board, um, which was probably even harder. But um, I, I, so finally I get them on board, and it's probably eleven thirty at night now. It's been like an hour of doing that, and I call my agent back, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm gonna do it, and they're like, okay, well we're gonna get you to the salon now. And it is 11 because the show is tomorrow. So it's 11.30 at night. And they're like, okay, so I'm going to come with you. This is my – the guy who kind of handles my stuff at the modeling agency. His name is Gerard. He was very sweet. He doesn't work there anymore. But he was like, I'm going to come with you because I don't want you to be by yourself. And my mom was going to come anyway. And so he's like, okay, it's this place in Soho. We go to the address. It's like this small little this salon I've never heard of down down the steps, like this little grungy chic place where one of the people at my modeling agency gets their hair done, and that's the only place that would be like open that they could find. Um, I don't even think it was open. They had had someone come in that did it for them. Anyway, so I get there. I'm flipping out. They put this bleach on my hair. It's itchy. It's like horrible. It's stinging. They put it on my eyebrows. Four hours later, I'm done. I have 
white hair. It's 4.30 in the morning. Right. The show is at like 9 the next day. That's insane. Yeah, and then I go home and I fall asleep and then I wake up like two hours later and I look in the mirror and I'm screaming because like I don't even, it, it's, it's like a fever dream. Like how did this happen? Like it, it, you don't it recognize a matter yourself. of- and it's so drastic. It's so dra- I mean, I thought. I think I thought in my head I was like, oh, I'll be like Elle Woods. And it's like, no, you're not Elle Woods. You're alien. You've turned into an alien. Well, I saw photographs. You look beautiful. But I can see why it would have been incredibly shocking. Yeah. And, like, it was such a spur of the- I- This is something I have a problem with is impulse decisions where I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds really fun and exciting and, like, scary and out of my comfort zone. Let me do this. And then, like, it's a huge mistake. And I don't think this was a mistake because at the end of the day, I did get to walk in a Kanye West show. And that was incredible and, you know, very scary and so out of my comfort zone. But, like, something that I'll always be able to say I did. But then you don't realize after that show is done, that is your hair and that is your eyebrows for, like, as long as that takes to grow out. So that was a whole process. Yes. Yeah. So The Mist is a mini series. So it's done. Yeah. Unless, like, all these other miniseries, they decide to bring it back. They want to do... So, no, they want to have a second season, but, you know, they wouldn't know if they got it until, like, three or four episodes in. And that was extraordinary, and you were in Halifax. It was Halifax. It was Nova Scotia, Halifax, for four months. It was the best thing that's ever happened to me. I loved every second of it. So having done plays and your first ongoing series, do you feel like, do you have a sense of which feels more right to you or? Uh, You know, I don't know. I think they're so different. Um, But what I know that I like out of both of them is the community and the family you build. You build these like strong, strong connections with people and ones that will never go away. And I mean, it's like, so fabulous to have a career and a job that that allows you it's all about the people for me is there a project that you and your brother and mom and dad kind of fantasize about doing together oh my gosh I mean I don't know people ask them that question I I have no idea their answer but no I mean unless someone writes something that called the Bernies you know (gasps) that would be amazing I would never do that that would be terrifying (laughs) i want to see the bernies oh god well gus bernie who would be one of the stars of the bernies i am so thrilled that you came in today and i feel so lucky to get to know you in this way and just to be at the beginning of something and see where you fly off to it's kind of amazing so thank you thank you thank you If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media, located in Times Square. 
Pro Media offers both production and post-production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.